We're a church. We, uh, we love the Lord. We love the Word of God. We respect the Word of God. And um, we believe also in what we call the five-fold ministry. We believe in apostles. We believe in prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We believe that they are gifts to the body of Christ. And um, so I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but I'm just telling you what, what we believe here. Uh, it's from the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we, we want to receive an apostle in the name of an apostle, and then we'll get an apostle's reward. And if we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we get a prophet's reward. And if we receive a pastor in the name of a pastor, we get a pastor's reward. And today, we have someone all the way from Tasmania, Australia, who has functioned in all three of those areas in his life. He has overseen uh, MFI. We belong to an organization called MFI, which is Ministers Fellowship International here in Canada. And there is a, um, there's a sister organization there in Australasia. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Bernie, uh, Bernie Hartog, who is here today, has actually led that organization for many years. I think he's passed the baton, or have you not? Coming up? Oh, just gone. So it's, it's, hot, it's, right off, it's hot off the press. He has uh, stepped back from that, and 14 years he did it. All right. <clears throat> he was involved as, as, as a prophet as well. Uh, he has come to our church about three years ago and part of a prophetic team. You may remember him and his dear wife, Susie. And uh, we're so glad that they are here. They've been pastoring a church there in Kingston as well. And so let's welcome Susie and Bernie Hartog. I don't know who's doing what, but they're, they're coming up. So we're so glad that you're here. We love you. God bless you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. Now you'll be able to listen to my Canadian accent, not <laughs> my Australian accent. I went through the supermarket last time we were here and uh, we, we were sp- speaking to each other in, in Australian. <laughs> and the girl on the counter said, oh, would you say that again, please? <laughs> And um, and then and then I just sort of said something jokingly to her, and she said, "Oh, I could listen to it all day. Just say the ABC over and over again." <laughs> so it was fun. It was fun. We realised how much different we are when those things get said to us. We don't feel any different from you folk, um, but we always have a different way of speaking don't we in different nations and so we all have an accent just depends on where you are whether you're visiting or in your own country (laughs) yeah so um, I'm blessed to be here and I'm blessed to be married to my husband because he's he's tells me that he's taught me all I know but (laughs) (laughs) but um, we have fun together moving around different places that the Lord sends us and then times and seasons, we get to stay home. We really love it that we get to stay home, you know. We don't have to stay home sometimes, but we get to. It's really good because we've got a big family and so when we're at home, we just sort of give them 
free run. You just come whenever you want to. And if you, if you want to check beforehand, that's good. But if you don't, you just come whenever you can. <laughs> so we can keep in touch with our family that way, even though we spend quite a bit of time away. But we're still involved in MFI. Bernie's still on the team. We just uh, went to our second year of uh, New Zealand uh, MFI. We just had the last two years we've had conferences in New Zealand. So we've been really blessed by that. There were six, six churches added in the last couple of years and um, their ministers, of course, and some of their teams and they're loving it and uh, we love having them. And there's another likely one joining because that's what was said at, at the conference. And, you know, they, we start small. We don't start at the top end with a large church and then grow small. We start small. You know, I just remember something, I think it was Frank DeMozio said, um, said, God... Um, Sorry, it's gone from my mind. About vision anyway. He says he doesn't like small... He doesn't... That's right. Yeah, He doesn't mind small churches, but he hates small vision. So we, um, we really took a hold of that. And, you know, we've asked the Lord constantly to... If we're not um, really doing the maximum that we could be for his kingdom purposes, then we want to, we want to um, see that the kingdom is established in the earth and see that the glory of God is going to be so great it's going to be greater than the waters of the sea. Yeah, you know, we want to see his glory come down. And we're seeing a great move of God happening today. I believe we're already in a move of God where we're, uh, we're all cherishing the presence of God a lot more. We're, we're um, cherishing the sense of God's presence with us personally and we're hearing more talk about um, the forever, you know, moving into eternity and eternal things a whole lot more than we used to. And um, I feel that the biggest thing we've got to learn as the body of Christ is to trust him. Somebody else said that earlier. And I remember when I saw all these lovely ones up the front song leading, how when we started out 37 years ago, I led the singing and um, a few others with me. And none of us had, had had any training for a church. You know, we just started with what we had in our hands and God has just really blessed us. And, of course, over that, those years, we've had lots of teaching coming from MFI and, you know, we've grown ourselves so much and we've got so much to be thankful for today and what he's blessed us with, the stewardship of our children, the stewardship of our home, the stewardship of our church and... Seeing people grow, it's just so exciting and I'll leave it there. God bless you. She's the one that makes me look good. You think I'm joking, I'm not. 
Today what I want to be speaking about is discerning God's voice and how important that is in the churches all around the world. Uh, in a lot of churches, and I'm painting with a very broad brush here, uh, a lot of people say, well, how can you know the will of God? Well, the Bible says you can. And the voice of God, God is a communicator. He wants to talk to us all the time. We have a couple of compasses in life. One is the natural compass, and the other one is the spiritual compass, the Holy Spirit. The natural compass doesn't work properly until it's been boxed. That's the terminology for it. You have a compass, and you have little magnets all around the compass, and that's called boxing the compass. And if you don't do that, the compass will fly all over the place because of outside influences. Does that make sense? On the old sailing boats, what they used to have, they had a compass in the wheelhouse and they had a compass about three quarters up the mast. And whenever the captain wasn't quite sure that the direction that they were going in, he would call the first mate, say, climb up, tell him that the compass in the wheelhouse was okay or it was off. If it was off, he stayed up there. And gave direction all the time. Listen, our natural compass is swayed by iron and nickel. Magnetic north used to shift 11.2 kilometers a year due to the spinning molten iron and nickel 2,880 kilometers under the surface of the earth. It's amazing stuff, the way God created it all. Last year, it shifted 55 kilometers in And whenever a shift happens spiritually, there's also a shift happening in the natural. This, this two seem to go hand in hand all the time. Our spiritual compass is shifting at an increasing speed as well. Because people in general in the church don't take God's word as the true compass in and for life like they used to. Come on, this, this is what's happening. As knowledge increases, and Daniel 12 verse 4 says that knowledge shall increase, more and more pressure is applied against the truth of God's word for life. Do you know that knowledge today doubles every 12 months? Every 12 months around the world, knowledge doubles. On the internet, it doubles every 12 hours. Scary. It really is. That's, you know, stuff out of the way. Now we'll pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, the best that heaven had to offer to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, no other in Christ. Father, this morning I pray for listening ears, open hearts, to hear what your word is going to declare, and Lord, that they might profit from your word, mixing it with faith and seeing what God is able to do in their lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Romans 12 out of the Amplified. So just a couple of verses. Uh, 
I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties. That includes your brain, by the way. A lot of people don't give that to God. I'm telling you, they go to university and they do all the other stuff, but they don't give their brain to God. Paul did, and he wrote half the New Testament. Just saying. As a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the things which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Just nudge your name and say, God's got a plan for you. Come on. Hey, now do it like you mean it. God has really got a plan for your life and we tend to dismiss that because we look at other people if only. No, no, no. God has got a plan for your life. It's not if only. The other scripture I want to read, and that's talking about the internal compass, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense and purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but only God can satisfy. Come on. You know, there's so many people in the world looking here, looking there, looking everywhere. Only God can satisfy that which is so deep in your heart. I know because I had everything that the world could offer, but I was still going to a hotel at night time. Look, there's got to be something more in life. I had a beautiful wife. I had beautiful kids. I had all the money in the world. I could do whatever I wanted to, but I was empty. I was empty. So that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning beginning to the end. He's the only one that knows the whole thing. Inside every believer, ordinary, extraordinary, there is a compass. An internal force placed by God, waiting to be discovered and used for his glory. There's a reason behind it all. When you learn to utilize and trust this valuable resource, you will find that you can better navigate the stormy seas and cloudy skies of your life. Like, who will I marry, young people? What will I do with my life when you just get married or you just finished university? Do I take this job? Should I invest my savings in this opportunity? Life, it seems, is a never-ending cycle of decisions that can alter the entire direction of our destinies. It really can. Without that compass, we are left to look around and set our own course by the markings of the physical world. Our emotions and hunches, the voices of others who would want to influence our journey, and it's not always for good. Who can say amen to that? What if we could discern the voice of our creator God? And I'm going to show you that we can. 
who wants to speak into your lives if only you learn to recognize and heed his voice. Recognizing him by itself is not enough. You need to heed his voice as well. With the baptism on the Holy Spirit, God gives you power and the strength you need to set the course for your life that will lead you into your destiny and to achieve his best life now. Uh, amen. I just say amen to that. If you help me in the amens and, you know, I'll preach better, okay? Just on that let know. The voice of God. Now we're going to start looking at it scripturally. Let there be, and there was, in Genesis 1, the heavens, earth, and land, and seas were all spoken into existence by the voice of God. Then we read, God said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Thus man was made in the image of God, who then put his life within man, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Can you imagine it? See him there shaping, you know, like as little kids we used to play in the mud. Well, I did anyway. You mightn't have done. You was clean, you know, but not me. I was dirty all the time. And God says, okay, and he grabs his nostrils and he blows into his nostrils the breath of life. We've got to see all this from his perspective, not our own. As, as the image of God was different from the rest of creation, he was now a self-determining man and he had a voice in how his life would turn out. He was created in the likeness of God. Come on, nudge your neighbor again. I'm created in God's likeness. Come on. Hey, get serious about it. Nudge your neighbor and say it with some feeling. You're created in the likeness of God. You know, some of you need to go home and stand in front of the mirror, look at it and say, I'm created in the likeness of God. Sometimes we need to do that. And we're not going to look at everybody else, how they look. We're going to be satisfied in the way that he's created us. I'm the shortest guy in the family, and I don't care. You know why? Because I'm created in the image of God. I was this size when I was 13, and I never grew another inch, and they all went past me. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So man demonstrated this as he began to name the animals. I just read it again the other day. God brought every animal to Adam, and he named them. That is awesome. Come on, there's a lot of animals. And he named them all. Why would you call an elephant an elephant? I, I don't know, but he had something from God that wasn't marred by sin yet. Come on. That made the difference, and he named them all. Man was not God himself. We need to grab hold of that because a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, you're a God. No, you're not. You're not. You need God, but you're not a God. But he could speak like God. God's life force was in his voice because God had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God breathed his voice into Adam. Guess who knits us together in our mother's womb? We say, oh, it's all mum and dad. No, 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 no. God is at work in the mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. You know, so we need to get back to that from time to time. So, however, Adam and Eve were not alone in the garden. We know the story. Satan slithered in, went to work, driving a wedge and separating man and woman from the voice of God. Just stay with me and you'll find out. 
noticed his approach. Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which God had made. And in Genesis 3, 1 to 5, he said to the woman, has God indeed said, casting doubt on what the voice of God had spoken. The evil foe of God knew that to defeat the human race, he had to separate mankind from the voice of God. He's really practiced at it very well. He's been doing it for at least 6,000 years. He knows what works and he knows what doesn't work. You know the rest of the story. Satan said, in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You shall be like God. Does anything strike you as really strange here? The fact that they were already made in the image of God. And here Satan said, oh, you're going to be like God. Already am. Go away, you know. Here we get a sneak peek into the strategy of the enemy in the life of any believer. He will do whatever he can to get you to listen to his voice instead. Come on. That's, that's how it happens. He whispered into me when I was an eight-year-old boy, I'm going to work just as hard as my father and mother did, but I'm going to have money. I made that promise as an eight-year-old because I saw my father and mother struggling with two pin boards. We can pay this bill. We can't pay this one. We can pay this one. We can't pay... And that's when I made that declaration, I'm going to work like harder than them. And they were working from five in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, six days a week. That was their working week. Sunday was church day. So I determined to become a millionaire before the age of 30. I didn't quite make that very close. I could have retired on an income of $100,000 a year in 1980. That's good pocket money. Today, I'd be getting $700,000 a year with the same investment. So it was shortly after that God said, enough is enough. You're going the wrong way. And I heard the voice of God. The devil wants nothing better than to speak direction into your life. This is what he wants, telling you you have to be like someone else. Who's ever wanted to be like someone else? I wanted to be Kevin Connor. This is really dumb. So he got me to do a, I was the keynote speaker at a seminar that he was running and I did five sessions and at the end I said, Kevin, how did I do? He said, you did fine. Now I said, give me an, an analysis. How did I really do? He said, you'll never be Kevin Connor. I was devastated. And then he said something else that set me free for the rest of my life. He said, the first session that you did, you'd been speaking only 10 minutes and nearly everybody in the room was crying. He says, I've never been able to do that in my whole life. From then on, I was going to be the best me that God was going to make me. And that's each and every, some of you really need to hear this. I know. Why else would he suggest to Eve that she could be like God, implying that Eve was not already made in the likeness of God, and she was. Perhaps that's why so many people spend their lives trying to impress others, being some lives are wracked with frustration, regret about who they are. You don't have to be someone you are not. 
understand that God has made you in his image and you are already what he wants in seed form. Not the completed package yet. He's taking you from glory to glory. He's adding to you all the time. So it's still happening. After the fall, God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day. What did Adam and Eve do? They hid from the voice of God. Read your Bibles. Not from the presence, from the voice of God. From then on, the Old Testament becomes a chronicle of mankind's love-hate relationship with the voice of God. I'll take you a little bit deeper into that. Uh, can I have a drink of water at all? Is that possible? I'm just starting to run dry. Thank you so much. In Exodus, God spoke with Moses through a burning bush and later dictated the Ten Commandments complete with flashes of lightning and smoke. Scripture says the people trembled and told Moses, you speak to us. They had the opportunity here. And this, he said, you speak to us and we will hear. But let not God speak to us lest we die. Thank you so much. This is holy water, no doubt. Mm. It tastes good. So let not God speak lest we die. So they had gone right from hiding from the voice of God and walking through life right up until then. Now they think they're going to die. That's how deep the lie had gone. So it started off, oh, not so bad sort of thing. But look what's happening here. Man went from speaking with him in the garden of being afraid of his voice. Satan had so perverted man's relationship with God that they thought the sound of his voice would kill them. Satan's plan is no different today, by the way. He will convince you that if you listen to God, it will kill your relationships. Some relationships need to get killed. Come on. It really needs to. You know, some of the friends that I had, you know, like you, later on you find out what they've been doing. Oh, and if they don't come to Christ, then you're better off without them. Your career will go into ruin. The first principal that we had in our school, he was a theistic evolutionist. That means God made the earth and then he says, oh, well, and the universe. Now let's see what's going to happen. Put his hands in his pocket. Oh, look at that. They're messing up again. He puts down kings. If you read the book of Daniel, you find out just how much God has to do in the affairs of men, both the chosen nation and also everybody else. And he'll also kill your fun. That is such a lie. We've had so much more fun since we've been saved. Haven't we, darling? You know, like, I love this woman. She loved me. We just didn't know how to do life together. And God brought that about. When we got filled with the Holy Spirit, things started to change. I was coming out of reaction. She was coming out of reaction. And then you have intense fellowship. You know what that means here. He, the devil that is, will tell you God will take life from you. Things got so bad that God said, in effect, okay, you don't want to hear my voice anymore. You don't want to speak with me. Fine, I'm done. With his word, with that, his word stopped, scripture ceased, bringing an abrupt end to the Old Testament for 400 years. 
scary. Scary if we don't want to listen to the voice of God. See, we don't only have the word of God, we have the voice of God. And the voice of God can come from the pages of this word. It can also come through the Holy Spirit where you know God is speaking to you. That's how I got saved. Lying on a hospital bed, going into the operating theatre, absolutely petrified of dying because my best friend had been eaten by a shark and my other good friend had died prematurely, I think, at age 32 of a brain tumour. Now I'm lying on a hospital bed and I'm cold, but the sweat is pouring off my face. I hear the voice of God. Bernie Hartog, who's been the boss of your life all of your life. And I said, me? And then he said this, if you make me the Lord of your life, I will lead you for the rest of your life. And right there and then, without anybody telling me anything, I started repenting of all the sins that the Holy Spirit brought to my memory. And they took me into that operating theater. And, you know, when they stick the needle in, I couldn't have cared whether I died or not. (laughs) True. Only about four years ago, I had a gallbladder busted. And I was in hospital. And I said, Lord, I'm ready. What a difference from being petrified to being ready. I told Susie that after I got out again that I was ready. Didn't want to scare her altogether, you know, so. Eventually, that silence was broken by the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Then the book of John leaves us with no doubt that God was ready to speak again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and would beheld His glory. All of a sudden, God broke his silence and now he's speaking to us in a voice with skin and bones. Isn't that awesome? That It is so neat when you see that. God's speaking to us again and we can really recognize him. Isn't that what Jesus said to Thomas? Seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, because Thomas says, well, she... What do you mean? Where are you going? We haven't seen him. He says, yes, you have. When Jesus started his ministry by being baptized in the Jordan River, it was God's voice that confirmed Jesus as the son. Not a written document. It was God's voice. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That voice that walked in the garden was back on the planet speaking into the lives of his beloved creation. worth a little hallelujah or an amen or something, you know. The word was back to display its power. Jesus spoke to the storm and it just ceased. I've been in some storms, the worst one, 147 kilometers an hour. It's not fun. The wind howls around your cabin and it sounds like spooky kind of stuff. (laughs) You get that kind of feeling too. Jesus spoke to Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say, come forth. Every grave would have been emptied if he hadn't said Lazarus. No, I'm serious. He has power over life and death. The reason he said Lazarus, because only Lazarus was going to come out of that grave. 
Jesus spoke to a fig tree and it just withered. And the disciples said, Jesus, you know, like it just... And he, this is what he says to them. Surely I say to you, if you have faith and did not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also you will say to that mountain, baker or whatever, be picked up and be put into the sea. And if you don't have doubt in your heart, it will obey you. I haven't seen any mountains move just lately. It's God's word. We have difficulty with this. Because ultimately, we like to be able to explain it away as to why we're not doing the things that he says we should be doing. Not only was God's voice active again, but it was free to work within and through our lives. Of those who called upon him, God was not finished working through the lives of his people. In fact, he was only just getting started. God's voice in your life. Let's bring it home. How do we discover that special internal direction that God has uniquely given you? What is God's plan for your life? Do you know that God has got a plan for your life? See, God's plan for your life will so supersede whatever you think about You're looking at somebody that didn't even finish grade eight in school because the language that I came came from Holland, got to Australia, and whenever English lessons came on, they would put me in the garden and tend flowers. What I desperately needed was to learn English, but I would keep the class back. From that day, I hated school with a passion. When I was 14 and just in grade 8, my dad had a major heart attack and I said to my mother, Mum, if you sign this, I can go to work. She had no idea what she was signing. But it released me from school. I was a happy boy. (laughs) And I started work. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. So then God saves you, 1977. Then God gets you to plant a church in 1982 He gets you to plant a school in 1985 and people say, you? You didn't even finish grade eight. How can you start a school? God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the what? You're looking at proof right in front of your eyes. This is what God is able to do. You know, and whoever thought that we would travel all over the world preaching the good news of the kingdom? I offered Susie to take her to the States. I think it was in 1975 or something because I was diving. I had plenty of money. And I, she said, and what else? I said, you can, we can build another house behind our house so we can have some more room. She said, the house. I couldn't believe it. But me traveling and... God has taken us all over the place and most of the time he's paid for it all. (laughs) You're looking at me as if to say, oh, come on. He really has. He really has. Many women today can feel anything but special. I know it's not here, but as they try to fulfill the ever-present demands of workplace, church and family, they struggle with being felt left out stressed out, frazzled, and all the other things. 
most men today are confused as the world tries to feminize men. Men, God has called you to be men. That doesn't mean to say you never change a dirty nappy or a diaper, whatever you call them. That's part of the deal. I didn't know how much they could stink, those things, you know. But they, that sometimes, if your wife is doing a job for you, like Susie, she types up all my notes. When she's typing up my notes, I wash the clothes, I iron the clothes, I hang them out on the clothesline, I do cooking. She was sick last year. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't dress herself. She couldn't undress herself. She couldn't get off the toilet. All the realities of life, you know, you do get married for better or worse. She kept telling me she loved me every day, and I said, that's what you said yesterday. She told me later on she thought she was dying. She wanted me to know that, I really, that she really loved me. And that's good. And I'm happy that she does. Sometimes these things are sent to try us, try as they do, and we have to be steadfast and keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's all it takes sometimes, just doing that. They expect real men to be satisfied by every desire that the world offers them. They feel marginalized and masculated, they're under attack. But God sees you as extraordinary. Come on. With a big voice, you are extraordinary. Come on, Mark. I want to hear you say it to your wife. I am extraordinary. No, no, no. She is extraordinary. Get it right. Yeah, now you got it right. That's, that's really good. So, and he, and he said it with conviction that time too. We really need to, if we really believe that, you would be surprised how much impact that has on a person's life. When this man says to his wife that she's extraordinary, that means a whole lot more than me saying she's extraordinary because she goes, how does he know? He doesn't know anything about me. But if this man says it, when you speak to your son, my father told me when I was a little boy, there's nobody in the world born better than you. You know what my older brother said? I wish he had told me that. He, see, I've always been able to stand in front of the mirror and say, Ha-ha, you're all right. Now, God had to kill that, by the way, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I cried for about three to six months. You can ask Susie that. Because I thought I could do anything and everything because everything that I had done in business succeeded wildly. Every business I started, everything I did was a wild success. And I thought I was good until I read Deuteronomy. It's God that gives you the power to get wealth. I was devastated when I read that. I was because then I knew it wasn't me. It was really God. And his desire to relate intimately with you is a yes and an amen. It really is. He is searching for men and women who dare to believe that they can make a difference in some people's lives. I'm not saying everybody, in some people's lives. Now, come on, some feedback. Have you ever made some difference difference in somebody's life? Have you ever made a difference in somebody's life? Think really hard. I guarantee you have. If you think about it and you say, okay, 
pluses, minuses. Yes, there's some pluses there. Everybody has had that at some time in their life, but they don't believe it. We took in a mother, and we've had about 30-something people stay with us and live with us, some up to seven years in length. And uh, we, took, we went to court and we saw this single mother with a little boy, two years old, that had a necklace around his neck with cigarette burns all the way around. Big clumps of hair pulled out of his head where the so-called boyfriend would pick the boy up by the hair. Anyway, he went to court. Nobody was willing to take him in. And we were there. And the judge said, is anybody willing to look after these people? And I put up my hand. He said, who are you? I said, I'm the pastor of a church. And I said, we'd be happy to take him in. Only the day before yesterday. He's done three stints in Afghanistan and all those special forces. He said, I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for your love and your generosity. See, you don't know. Some we're not going to hear about until we get to glory. And they'll come and say, you're the one that made a real difference in my life. Today, the body of Christ must open up their spiritual ears to hear. I don't believe that God is not speaking. I am convinced that he's speaking all the time. All the time. But we need to recognize the voice of the Almighty Could it be that God wants to use you as a key player in his kingdom and for his kingdom purposes? Come on, just consider it. Pastor Mike and Pastor Evie, they're not going to be disappointed if 50 people come and say, I want to be used in this church, what can I do? They're not going to, I guarantee they're not going to be disappointed. I know because we've been in growing churches and this is something that you look for And it's only when we start to believe that we can hear the voice of God and that God wants us to make a difference in lives, not just our own, but in the lives of others, that things begin to change. There are things that you know that you just can't explain. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. See, if we're saved, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, means we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Bill Johnson said it so well. He said, that's inside, that's for you. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's for others. And I thought, I like that. Because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for you. They are for others. You are the conduit that the Holy Spirit flows through to bless others, to challenge others, or to direct others. That's what the Word of God does. All believers have an anointing, a spiritual touch of God that provides them with remarkable insight. We had it said of our daughter when she was only about 12 years old. They said, how come she's so wise? All the visiting ministry that we ever had come through stayed at our place. She would hide behind the couch. And I'd say to Susan, did you put Sally to bed? And I said, no, I thought you did. You say, Sal, I'm not causing any trouble. I'm just listening. (laughs) 
She read a devotion. She, it was her turn to do devotions at the dinner table and Kevin Connor is taking notes. And at the end of her devotion, Kevin said, thank you so much for that, Sally. I'll be preaching on that Sunday morning. That's what encouragement does. Come on. We can all encourage. You know, like Acts ten thirty eight, I think it is, Jesus went about doing good. You know, let's just keep, you know, casting out devils because God was with him. But let's just stop at the first part and start doing good, start encouraging people, start speaking positivity into people's lives. I know that you can do this. You were, you were song leading, is that correct? Was you song leading up the front here? Yeah. There's, there's an amazing anointing upon your life, not just for song leading, but to speak into the lives of other people. God's going to stir something within your heart and there's going to be an increase that's going to just come. And as the increase comes, so the thirst for God and his word will increase more and more. And as you do this, there's going to be such an outflow. There's going to be such an outflow to other people. Many people will come to know Jesus Christ because of you and your relationship with Almighty God. Things are going to change in your life. Where's your wife? Was that your wife singing? Oh, boy, I always ask the question just in case. Who was the lady that was singing? Oh, there she is. Phoebe, is it? Phoebe, you've got such a soft heart, a beautiful soft heart, and do not be frightened of the tears. Let them flow. God keeps them all in a bottle for you. It's okay. And there's something that is washing the soul as the tears flow. But I see you praying for people behind the closed door. I see you praying for people and interceding for people and the tears are flowing. Let them flow. Let them flow. Let's see some passion in our crying out to God and that's something God is going to see in you and he's going to increase and don't worry, it's God that's working in your life and he's causing the tears to flow for the people that you are praying for, both saved and unsaved. I see you praying for both. You have an ability to see, and God's word to you is pray, don't say. There's a difference. Just pray and watch what God's going to do. What you do in secret, he's going to reward you with openly. Those, those things, and this is, this is something that is so real that we should grab hold of. This is what God, if we had time, I guarantee I could prophesy over every person in this room. We haven't got time. Of course, we're supposed to go out for dinner, and that's really important. No, I'm joking. It's not what God has called me to do either. And that's where it always comes back to. I have not prayed for some people ever because God said no. And I go, what? And he reminds me that God said no to Paul when he wanted to go somewhere. He said, no, don't go there, don't go there. Voice, yeah, that's it, you got freedom. 
through the Holy Spirit from whom flow all the gifts and graces and superior knowledge of God. Here we have God the Father so loving the world, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, comes into the world, dies for humanity, carrying not just the stripes on his body, sin. He became sin for us. That's so often what we don't recognize. And that's why he says, why, why, have, why have you forsaken me? Of course, God, the Father, can't bear to look at sin. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That was the divine exchange. So now he's at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, interceding for us, it says in Hebrews. So we've got the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living inside, guiding, directing us. We have Jesus Christ, the Son, interceding for us. I wish we could hear his voice. Come on. My kid can do it. Evie, of course you can do it. I know it looks impossible, but you can do it. We're not hearing somewhere along the line. We need to be hearing. Because and the Father that loves us, everything is happening for us. God has given every ordinary believer an extraordinary gift. He has given you an internal compass to guide and discern things about your children. Have you ever said to your children, why did you go there? And they say, how did you know that I went there? God shows us everything. That's what we used to say to our kids. <laughs> oh, we, can't, we can't pull wool over their eyes. You know, for your spouse, what's good for your spouse, for your family, your workplace, your finances. This discernment is not from human wisdom. Brothers and sisters, it's from God. It's from God. As you will soon see, this will be the most important life lesson you've ever experienced as you fulfill your assignment in becoming the man or woman God created you to be for his honor and glory. Then, I believe we're going to see the immediately that the Gospel of Mark is so prevalent, full of. In the first chapter, there's eight or 11, depending what translation you use, immediately. Can you imagine, Pastor Mike, you're in the front, so I'll pick on you. You go and see a couple of people in the congregation that have never served before, and he says, come follow me. And they just stand up and they say, Pastor Mike, wherever you lead us, we'll follow. It sounds good to me too. I believe it's biblical. As the overflow of God speaking to us starts to flow out of our life, that's how we came into the ministry. People said, you know, like, you should be doing this, should be doing that. You ask God, he says, yes, you can just do it. And I was on an income, you know. I passed it for one year and dived for one year at the same time. And I earned $114,000 when I was spending most of my time in the, what's the name, in the church. And I asked God to make me so busy with one or the other so I couldn't do both. And God got me so busy in the church, the license went. You're willing to do it. 
because you know that God is in it. Who here comes from a Dutch background? Anyone? Anybody come from a Dutch background here at all? There's, there's, a, there's a couple. I've always said that Dutch people, and I'm not picking on you now, have deep pockets and short arms. <laughs> Until they get touched by the Holy Spirit and everything turns around. I mean everything turns around. Who here is below the age of 12? Anybody? All in kids' church. Okay, I'll up the age. Who's below 16? Anyone? No one. I want to give you something. Does that help? (laughs) Who's below the age? Ah, (laughs) you wish. (laughs) Who's below the age of 18? Come on. This is like an auction. There's somebody there. Will you hold out your hand? I'm going to give you something. You trust me? You do? All yours. So often, this is what God is trying to do with us. He's saying, hold out your hand, and we hold a little thimble when we should be holding out a bathtub. Because he wants to pour in. Isn't that what the Bible says? He poured his love into our hearts. It's a pouring. It's not just a spitting a little bit here and a little bit there. It's the pouring in. Immediately, they left their nets. Immediately. Immediately, when he called them, they left him. When he prayed, leprosy lifted the man immediately. I want to go back to some of those immediately's. Come on. Come on. We, we need to. The world needs to see that it's more than just words that we talk about. It's got to be action that's followed up. Isn't that what James says? Without faith, it's impossible to please. There's got to be works attached to the faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, you can't even please God without faith. I love what you did for the offering time because we can do it. Just drop it in so easy. Without faith. If you've got anything against your brother, go and fix it up first before you give to God. Otherwise, it's tainted money. And people go, I used to say from the front, if God doesn't want it, I don't either. All these things are realities, not legalisms. If we love God with all our heart, we want to do what he's telling us to do. Amen? That's, that's what happens. What time do you usually finish, Mike? I'm finished. <laughs>